Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. All right, good morning to everybody. So, uh, started the day out this morning. Family's taking care of our neighbor's dog. Dog leaves. Dog's gone. It's raining. He's running around. Dog can't hear. Right? I'm sure Florine saw me like crawling around his backyard. He's like, what is that guy doing, man? He's climbing trees and running around yelling for Marley, you know? And uh, so, good news is the dog came back. So, man, we're really grateful for that. But kind of like Ryan said, you know, when it's your dog, it's one thing. When you're taking care of somebody else's dog, boy, that is way worse, you know. So uh, the prodigal dog has returned, as Ryan said this morning. So uh, appreciate uh, the singers all praying fervently. Marley is back home. Man, oh, man, what a way to start a Sunday. You know, if there's going to be something that happens, generally it's like Sunday morning. So uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, Before we get really going on everything, though, um, I would like us to just take some time. And I do really appreciate um, just the way each Sunday we've been adding in prayer. And we've been making this a part of um, what we do when we gather together. And so now, um, really, um, as we read through Corinthians, as we really are, um, you know, just intent on being renewed this year, um, I'd love for us to just go ahead right where you are and just pray. And just um, really a very simple prayer is that you hear Jesus' voice, okay? Beyond any, like, sermon and all that kind of stuff that we do here. So go ahead and do that on your own, and then we'll begin after that. Father, as we open your word today, uh, we pray, we beg you, God, we want to hear your voice. Uh, We want you to, uh, Father, whatever we need, if there's anything inside of us that is uh, not what you want, Father, we pray that you just root it out, let us see it, uh, that we can repent. Father, thanks for repentance. Um, And we just ask that your word does uh, cut us deeply, Father, Um, and not just for ourselves, not just here, not to have a better life, but God, that we can serve you. Uh, to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okie dokie. Let's see what we got here, okay? So uh, we've been going through this. We're making our way through. Uh, we're getting into some really meaty chapters in Corinthians, okay? So hopefully you've been keeping up with this. If you haven't, you can go back and listen to the sermons um, and, and catch up to what's going on here. Um, so here's the interesting thing. There are, these, there are these principles that you won't necessarily find directly written out, 
but they're just underlying everything that Paul is writing about here. Okay. And I think every one of us, we need renewal and it doesn't matter. I mean, you might not be like super tired. You may not be super worn out. You may think, man, I'm pretty refreshed and all these things, but we need it every day. All right. Every single day. I mean, there's things, I mean, there's a battle we're in and we do need renewal, but there really isn't renewal without first and foremost, an allegiance to God's kingdom. All right. And that's really important to go. Well, where does that word come from? It's funny because the one of the things we focus on really a lot, obviously, is the term faith that Paul uses a lot, that Jesus uses a lot. Um, but that word, if we would were to hear that word in its original in kind of intent, we would hear trust, but it would also have a side of this, a feeling of allegiance as well. So it's not just, hey, I believe in you, I trust you. It's that I'm loyal to you. I'll never turn away from you. Okay, and so that may be something new that you're thinking of in your own relationship with Jesus is, are you loyal and allegiant to what he says and how he lives and the way he wants us to live? So if we want renewal, this may be the thing of, uh, man, am I, uh, am I loyal to his kingdom? All right. Um, and furthermore, you know, he keeps talking. There's this idea of the church needs to be distinctive in the world. Right. So. All of this that he's writing to the Corinthians, right? There, there is a reason is the church should look distinct or, or what he said, holy. It should look different, okay? The products, the, what the world is like encouraging should look vastly different. And that may be like a real personal challenge to me and you, okay? Is there anything different about how we approach life, how we approach relationships, how we approach morality, how we approach any of those things, Right. Is there a difference or have we just kind of like blended in? Because here's the interesting thing is, is it's not just like living in the world is this like heathenistic thing. It's religion has found its way into the world. And so the world keeps like forming what an acceptable religion is. And again, if we're loyal to Jesus, we're going, hold on a minute, Jesus, I'm following you and I'm loyal to what you're saying. My ears are tuned into what you're telling me and what you're telling us here. Okay. And so this idea of distinctiveness. So up until this point, it's interesting because Paul has addressed a number of different issues so far. Factions, materialism, sexuality, gender roles, marriage. These are all issues of today. If you haven't noticed that yet, this is all about what we go through today. Now, what's interesting about this is all of these have become, um, practically all of these have become uh, politicized, right? When we look at those concepts, we're going to go, man, I'm going to teach a lesson on gender roles. I'm going to teach a lesson on marriage. I'm going to teach a lesson on sexuality. I mean, all of a sudden we would, even in our best intentions, would get locked into a conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, Trump, Biden, Clinton, whatever it is. And we think this has all started with us in the US, like we think we've just like figured something out, all right? And going, oh my goodness, we've figured out the thing to do. But what's interesting is, you know, before the US, right? There was other civilizations, right? There were Greeks and Romans and Babylonians and Assyrians and Medes and Persians. And you wanna know what's funny is, every society is trying to define these. They're trying to come together and go, okay, as a society, what is right? What do we say is right? And what do we say isn't right? 
And Paul is simply telling us this is what the king teaches. Okay, so oftentimes we hear difficult things in the Bible and we may go, man, I don't know if I agree with that. What I would encourage you to do is start out being allegiant to Jesus first. Okay, going, hey, listen, without any other information, I'm with Jesus. And I'm going to work through how he's teaching and what he's teaching. All right, but he's hitting all of these issues right here, these super hot button issues. And here's the deal is, as disciples and as a church, Our goal isn't to shy away from having these conversations. In fact, we should be emboldened to have conversations. But here's what the world doesn't need, right? The the world doesn't need is kind of what kind of the the product that's been sold about Christianity, which is something that's just very hateful and angry and I don't like you. You know, it's kind of like, no, I want to be a Christian, but I don't like people. Okay, I mean, we have to be really clear. That's not Christianity. Okay, I mean, and I know we're going, man, I don't like to be judgmental, but I'm going, listen, man, if you say you follow Jesus and you will not adhere to what he says, then please don't say you're a Christian. You can have any opinion, but we're talking about a single worldview here. We're talking about one king here, okay? And we're talking about that what's necessary is a group of people who are distinct, but full of grace and full of mercy and full of love. That's what each and every one of us, that's what's required today. It's not how can I jump on which political side? Like, who am I going to vote for, for what thing? No, no, no. It's not that. It's as ambassadors. How do we go out and represent Jesus accurately while holding his word out? Okay, how do we do that? And that's what Paul is trying to get across here, okay? When we, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you should pray, right? And, and this is super common for all of us. But he says, listen, this is what should be prayed. This is the, the ideas of what should we, uh, we should be praying. Our Father in heaven, your name is honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, is that everything you're telling us in here, we want it here on earth exactly the way it is in heaven, right? Everything, right? The boundaries, the relationships, the love, the dis, whatever it is, however you want it and however it is, we want it right here. And sometimes we don't remember when we're thinking about this or when we're going through, and this is actually, you know, something, you don't have to pray this like verbatim, but Jesus said, pray this way. And when you look at these concepts of his name being honored as holy, his will be done, his kingdom come, we're saying, yeah, yeah, we want all of that here. The last thing we should be doing is reading his Bible and going, but not that. I want all your will to be done, but but your will that I don't understand or I don't like, I don't want it to be done here. Okay, so we've got to come together and really decide, man, this is some of these are really difficult topics that we're we're talking about here. We're going to start on verse 17. Uh, as you're learning how to, and maybe, I don't know, everybody's kind of in a different place. How, how do I handle this Bible, right? How do I handle these 66 books? How do I handle this in this letter that was written by Paul to these Corinthians, okay? And we understand like some basic principles is number one, we've got to try our best to hear the original message. Like what did the Corinthians hear? Mm-hmm. What did they hear first? Right. Because it's really easy to take this in a whole nother direction. Oh, yeah. Right. So what did they hear first? And then we draw that out. OK, 
But here's the other thing is, it's really important as we read this that you notice certain things, okay? So if you saw in verse 1, Paul says, now in response to the matters you wrote about. Right? The, the Corinthian church leadership had been writing to Paul. This isn't even Paul's first letter. But there was this communication going back and forth. And Paul is saying, here, I'm actually going to answer some very specific questions that you guys have for me. Okay? This may make us think of the Corinthians even in a different way, right? Is, is, could, could there be an iota of humility in the Corinthian church? Because again, I think, man, we, you know, the Corinthians are kind of seen as the bad guys. They're the ones struggling. They're the ones who are getting drunk at communion. They're the ones who are having factions. And they're the ones who are having, you know, all this craziness, except they were asking Paul, listen, we have these situations going on. Can you help us understand this? How should we think about this biblically? How should we think about this in a Christian way? Okay. How should we think about marriage in a Christian way? Right. How should we think about the, our life situation, where we find ourselves in right now in a Christian way? How should we view singleness in a Christian way? So there, there's an underlying question. I think it begs the question, are we asking these questions to our brothers and sisters? I need help with my marriage. Is that conversation being had? Unless everybody, unless you have like the perfect marriage in all ways, in every way. And I don't mean just like finding somebody going, no, there's, there's only one person I'll talk to about that. I'm talking about going, hold on a minute. The, the Corinthians were like, Paul, let, we got to write to you everything that's going on. And it's dirty and it's nasty. And there's all these things. And we may not even be looking at it right. But please come and talk to us about this. Like, tell us what's the Christian, what's Jesus' view of this? I think sometimes what we can wait for, if you're a married couple, it's really easy. Well, I want to wait for, let's have a really great marriage weekend. Man, if we just had a really great retreat weekend, that would fix my marriage. Man, I've been to so many marriage retreats. If that was the truth, there'd be no bad marriages in the kingdom of God. You know, it's like, you know, and it's one of those things where, I'm, listen, I'm not down on a marriage weekend. It's fine. It's cool. Retreats are okay. All right. But my point in being is, is that Paul isn't going, y'all get a marriage retreat going and make it right. He's going, no, let's have some really honest conversation about your marriage. It's easy to go to a marriage retreat and sit there and nobody's addressing what's directly wrong with my heart. Okay. But he's saying, hey, here, let me talk to you guys about this. And that's what Ben was preaching about last week is this idea of, of marriage and what God was talking about and what Paul was saying, hey, in your specific situation, this is what I'm telling you guys to do, okay? But then we, hear, we see here in verse 17, and it's just picking up right where Ben left off. Um, and they're going through just a little bit above this. They're talking about wives who are married to unbelievers and what should they do and should they be should they leave the marriage because of that like like Paul tells us and I think we can all agree that's a complicated issue right and so Paul is talking about that and then in verse 17 he says however each one must live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him this is what I commanded all the churches was anyone already circumcised when he was called he should not undo his circumcision was anyone called while uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. Circumcision doesn't matter, and uncircumcision doesn't matter, but keeping God's command does. 
Each person should remain in the life situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? It should not be a concern to you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he is called by the Lord as a slave. He who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Don't become slaves of men, brothers. Each person should remain with God in whatever situation he was called. All right. So this was actually something going on in the Corinthian church. So let's kind of t- teleport ourselves back. And we're in the church right here. Is This was actually going on. Is you actually had folks who were Jewish and they were like, like, you know, man, there's problems that come along with being Jewish and a Christian. If I could undo my circumcision, and there actually was a way to do that, okay? That was just, that's, oh my goodness, can you, whoo, man. But he's saying, you know, thankfully, don't do it. And then the Gentiles are going, but you know, we would be appreciated probably so much more if we were Jews, right? Because the Jews, I mean, Jesus, he was a Jew and, you know, all these things. And, and there's th- different different kind of groups of people that are going, if we just were somewhere else, being a disciple would be better. It would be easier and it'd be more effective. And he's going, hold on a minute for one second. Just pump the brakes right here. Just, just slow down for a second. Let me see here. Nope. Don't want that one. Here's, here's just kind of this underlying principle. Okay. The grass isn't greener on the other side. Right. Who me and you are as disciples in the life situation we're in right now doesn't change with a different life situation. It, it won't. Now, I mean, I'm bringing this up. This is because we will try to justify this in our minds. We're going, no, no, no. God, it would be so much better if I was married. It'd be so much better if I was single. It'd be so much better if I was this. If I was, it would be so much better if I worked this place and, or lived here, or it'd be so much better. And he's going, hold on a minute. Stop for one second because you're getting ahead of yourself. And, and oftentimes that's the message me and you need to hear is slow down long enough to hear God's word before we start deciding what's better. What's better for me right now? What's better? What's better? And, and, and just having this idea, there's a really cool quote. The assumption of spirituality is that God is always doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so I can respond to it, participate in it, and take delight in it. So he's saying if you became a disciple and you were a Gentile, he's like, stop long enough and look around. Stop long enough and look at the people around you. God's doing something that he requires an ambassador, and you're that ambassador. Like, don't try to get out of that so quick. But you're a Jew and you're feeling all these other things. He's like, stop for a second and look around you. All right. Now, certainly he's not saying, hey, stay in a situation of immorality, stay in a situation of sin. He's not saying any of those things. But he's saying, hey, slow down long enough to know, man, God, how are you working right here, right now, in this situation around me? And, and I think it's pretty interesting. I think me and you probably all do this to a certain degree. We kind of think God is waiting for us to figure it out before he starts working. Instead of going, no, no, there are things happening around each and every one of us at work, in our families, at home, all of these things. And some of them are scary. 
right? And some of them are just kind of wearing you out and some of them are confusing and all these things. But, but our goal isn't to go, hey, let me go somewhere else. It was, let me see right here, God, what would you have me do here? What would you have me do here? He gives one thing. He says, if you're a slave and you can become free, do it. But, but stop long enough to know. Stop trying to be some... You, listen, be who you are as an ambassador where you are. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. You know, these are, these are issues that are kind of difficult when we read this chapter. And we're going to read the rest of it here in a second. Um, to get into this idea of going, I want an answer for every situation. But Paul's not giving an answer for every single situation. He's not talking about every marriage. He's not talking about every person. He's not talking about every situation. He's talking about a very specific things that are going on in the Corinthian church. But there are these big, like, alarms that should go off when we read certain things. And, we, and, and this is right here, smack dab in the middle, okay, is he's talking about, listen, whether you're circumcised or not, um, in verse 19, circumcision doesn't matter, uncircumc- uncircumcision doesn't matter, but keeping God's commands does. All right, this is where me and you get to connect with the Corinthian church. Right? This, is, this goes beyond, like, how do my circumstances directly like like mirror the Corinthians. No, no, no. This is a principle that goes beyond circumstance. It requires us to ask this question. Am I concerned with and, and am I obedient with God's word here, now, today? And, and, and not just like, yeah, yeah, no, I obey. I mean, you know, and Steve's brought this up a number of times, is this idea of am I intentionally like handling the word of God in a way that I become obedient to the word of God? All right. What I found for me, when I lack intentionality, it's generally not happening. Basically, what ends up happening is, is like I'm just kind of going through the motions. And, you know, if you've been a Christian a while, you kind of have developed some Christian habits that may keep you out of some trouble. But we're talking about an intentional obedience. He says, this is what matters. That the grass is always greener. There's not always something better. There's not something that's going to make your life as a disciple simpler and easier. And I wish I was just part of a different family or part of this or whatever. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Stop for a second and look around. Are we identifying, God, what are you doing? And how can, how can we get in there? How can you use us in that situation? Is he saying this? Let's read the rest of this because you might not be convinced. Verse 25. Okay, so your, your version, okay, may say different things. Mine says virgins. It's the unmarried, okay? I mean, it's, we don't use that word like, hey, here's a virgin, you know, and all these things. But just, again, so we're like all on the same page because it's really easy to get tripped up like, with wording, it just is, okay? Verse 25, Paul says, um, you know, and, and clearly this is something they've asked him about because he's going, oh, hey, here's the deal. About virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. 
Therefore, I consider this to be good because of the present distress. And and by the way, we don't really know what the present distress is here. We're not sure if it was like, is it like the persecution of Nero? Like what's really going on? There's not a huge, but certainly there's something going on for him to say this. In this time of, of, uh, in this present distress, it's fine for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Don't seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you haven't sinned. And if a virgin marries, she hasn't sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. And I say this, brothers, the time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't possess. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world in its current form is passing away. I want you to be without concerns. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is, considered, uh, is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Now I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but because of what is proper and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is acting improperly towards his virgin, if she is past marriageable age, and so it must be, he can do what he wants. He's not sinning. They can get married. But he who stands firm in his heart, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will and has decided in his heart to keep his own virgin will do well. So then he who marries his virgin does well, but he who does not marry will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband is living. But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord. But she's happier if she remains as she is, in my opinion. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. All right. So a couple of trigger words might have been there. You might have gone, he just said, opinion, I'm done. I'm not even listening to this. It's this guy's opinion, okay? Um, It may be just, you know, certain words going on and on, okay? But here's the interesting thing. As an apostle, all right, Paul's view, Paul's writings, Paul's opinion is different than ours. Okay, yes, right. It, It is different. All right. And so it's not this idea of going, oh, man, it's his opinion. It's just kind of off to the side. No, no, no. He's actually sharing scripture with us right here. Okay. But is being single. Is it? Here's here's what I'll say in our society. You know, we say you're really like you don't get real life till you're married. And then what ends up happening in the church is like it just becomes this constant like, how do I get married? How do I get married? How do I get married? Right. And, and we have to understand something that wasn't Jesus's point. That wasn't Paul's point. That wasn't any of those things. In fact, he tells a different story. OK. In fact, today we might look at being single as a stumbling block. I'll be better as a disciple if I was married. He's actually saying, no, you won't. Right. And, and, and here's what's great. Being married and being an ambassador of Christ in your marriage is awesome. But it's hard. I mean, don't don't fool yourself. I think sometimes we, we live in this princess world of like all of these, like it's just, oh, all my problems go away. No, no, you know who you bring into your marriage? You. Yeah, every single 
and, and, and now you bring it into a situation that's even more intense emotionally. And you know what you thought before you got married? Man, every, all my problems are going to go away when I get married. I'm going to be happy every day when I'm married. Okay? And the, the thing about it is some of you guys who are single in here, you have bought into that. You, you will refuse to believe Paul. I guarantee it, you will. I see it over and over and over again. You know, hey, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He's single. <laughs> he does know what he's talking about. And then you're saying, well, that's why he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> right? Is who's he to give me advice? He wasn't even married. Well, then put Jesus in that category as well. All right? He, here, listen, this is just kind of an underlying principle. Let's always remember. If the only people you're willing to talk to are the people that have like somehow experienced exactly what you have, you're missing out. Okay, so if you're going, I can't ever hear anything from a single person. They don't know what it's like to be married, but they know the word of God. Okay, so so here's the deal and vice versa. Okay, and so but but this is really the question, because Paul is kind of digging into this here. Is it better to be single than to be married? And he's saying, like, I'm not trying to put a restraint on you, but I want you to think about this. Right. Isn't this one of those things? Let me really. When was the last time just in a few in a small group of people that you had somebody that encouraged you to stay single if you're single? <laughs> you can go find another church. You know, you go, no, I came to church to find a husband. <laughs> I came to church to find a wife. You know, you go, hey, I, listen, I don't care why you came here. All right. But it's that idea of we've got to get in line here with what he's talking about, because here's the deal. Here's what he's saying, and I think this is going to help us. He says, you know what? We don't have much time. Right. Yeah. right? What does he mean by that? He's saying, listen, there's lost people. They're not going to be saved unless, like, we're serious about this. Like, the time is limited. And I know when it's our own situation, we're going, but it's easy, Keith, for you to say you're married. You've been married for 22 years. And I'm going, yeah. But here's the truth of the matter is time is limited. And I wonder how often, and, and here's the deal. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if I'm becoming that old guy. You know, the old guy that stands on his grass and yells at the kids, like, stay on my lawn. <laughs> I feel like I'm becoming that guy more and more, okay? But, but here's what I'm saying. I feel like over the years, we're putting more and more power into the magic of a marriage to make us happy. All right. Instead of going, hold on a minute, if the time is limited, maybe that's what I should be thinking about. God, if you want me to be married, man, do it. But I'm going, full, time is limited. Right? I, I wonder how often, you know, it's, it's even fascinating to me is dating relationships and young marriage, how much fighting there is in relationships. And I'm going, why that shouldn't be as a disciple. But I wonder how much time we spend because we aren't like focused on the right things. And we spend so much time fighting with our spouses and fighting with our boyfriends and girlfriends and all that. And we don't realize, man, the world is spinning around us with lost people. Okay. And Jesus didn't go, hey, let me make you who you are so you could have your own little drama right there to be lived out. Okay. Time's limited, he says. He says, here's the deal. The world's passing away. Okay. So you, you look at this. And he's, he's going through all of these things. He's like, listen, if, if you need to get married, fine, get married. If you're not, that's okay too. But you know what? I get this impression that he wants you to actually consider something 
here. Like actually put some thought into something rather than going, no, this is how it has to be. Because there are some people that God has said, I am setting you apart to be single. And you know what? You aren't missing out on anything. You aren't missing out on anything. He says this, he goes, I want you to be without concerns. You know, he's saying, listen, I want you to get into a place where, man, you are fully devoted. Like you have no concerns, man. I mean, you're just like, you, you, you know, flexible. You can do and go anywhere and all these things. And, and he goes on. But, but again, this is, this is Paul saying, let, let me put this out there for some thought. I don't think we think about that too often. All right. Whether, so here's the crazy thing about this section. Whether we're married or whether we're single, this is still the standard. Okay, he's not saying, hey, if you get married, you don't have to be as devoted. He's not saying that, okay? So if you're married and you're going, hey, this is great. I don't have to be as fired up as those singles. Man, I've got a wife. It's supposed to make me, you know, like he said, like Paul said, I got more concerns. He's not saying that as an excuse. He's saying, before you enter marriage, consider this. Like, are you up for this? Will you count the costs on this? Will you? Because here's the thing is, I love being married. I love my wife. I, I absolutely am in this happy, happy, like, marriage that I would never want to get out of, okay? But the thing about it is, is it isn't the marriage that has made everything great. It's Jesus. That's right. And this is the standard for all of us. So here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I now devoted without distraction? Am I trying to live this way, okay? Because you, here's the deal is, you, you could be sitting here and you could be single going, man, this is great. Paul is fired up about my situation. That's awesome. He's going, no, but he's assuming you're completely devoted to Jesus. He's not saying just the, just the idea of being single. He's saying, no, that you have like set your life aside for this, right? Devotion without distraction. Let's look at something right here, okay, just to, just to clarify, because there's some weirdness in this section, okay? Verse 36, if any man thinks he's acting improperly towards his virgin, if she's past marriageable age, do you, hear, do you read that? Does it seem weird to you? Okay, okay. Let me, let me help out here just a little bit. They're talking about a father and his daughter. They're talking about somebody allowing their child to be married. Okay, so you, if you're thinking like, oh man, so I'm in sexual sin with my girlfriend, so I should just go get married because Paul said to, that's not what he's talking about here. He said, if you're a dad in this culture of like arranged marriages, okay, if, if you're a dad and you find that you're not allowing your daughter to be married and you're going, man, this isn't right. She's past marriageable age, man. She's, I'm putting her in a bad situation. He's like, hey man, if you find yourself, let her go get married. And you're going, Keith, we'll never be in that situation. Hey, man, yeah. But that's what he was writing to. That why I bring that up is because, again, we don't have to create like a theology about everything Paul's writing here. There's a specific situation going on that he's addressing. And clearly there were guys going, I don't know, I have daughters, I have kids. I don't know if I want to allow them to get married. He's going, okay, that's fine if you have thought through this and it's not a stumbling block for them and all these things. But if you find that you're just not acting in, the, in a way that's appropriate, in a way that, that you're kind of just holding back for no reason, man, let your kids go and get married. All right. 
going, well, that's not as exciting as it sounds. It sounded like that was really going to get trashy. You know, it sounded like, man, this is really, he's talking about some pretty exciting things. No, no, no. He's, going, he's just talking about specific issues. What our goal is, is how do I draw out these principles that are timeless, that are underneath there, that can be applied to our life today? Right? And, and the first one is that, is this idea of, man, the grass isn't always green. I don't know what you think the other side of the fence looks like. I don't know what you think when you look over and go, man, it'd be easier over here, it'd be easier here if I had this person's life or whatever. Okay? I don't know what devotion in your life is looking like, but here's the thing that I think is helpful as we read this is Paul's writing to not just make a bunch of great church members. All right. And disciples and church members sometimes look alike because we end up sitting in the same room on Sundays, all right? And we give money, and we serve in times, and all these things. It's like, no, no, he's not trying to make church members. He's trying to make disciples of Jesus, those who will go out and do this, okay? Verse 39, here's another situation. A wife is bound as long as her husband's living, but if her husband dies, she's free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord, Clearly, there was, there was something like this going on in the Corinthian church. And they had this question, like, well, what about, we have some ladies, and they've, their husbands have passed away, and should they stay unmarried and all these things? He's like, no, no, no. Man, if they want to go ahead and get married, allow them. Let them to go get married. It's perfectly fine, only if they're a disciple. See, see these are kind of areas that we, we're like, man, I don't know if I want to tiptoe up to that line. Because here's the deal is, this isn't a separate this isn't a separate thing from everyone else who's trying to get married. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that just widows have to decide to only marry Christians. He's saying if you're a disciple, you marry a Christian. That's right. Like disciples marry disciples. That's right. All right. And I wonder how, again, these are conversations me and you, we should be having as a church with one another. We should be talking about dating. We should be talking about singleness, not from a standpoint of a class or a small group or anything like that, is in relationships, younger and older. Is am I, am I in there talking about these things or have we fallen into kind of just this idea of, man, I'm a church member. These are kind of hard things to say. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about these things. I don't know if I want to get into all of these things. I don't know if I want to get into this underlying assumption that's going on here, if you hadn't picked it out yet, is that... When he's talking all of these issues of marriage, do you ever notice in there that he always is relating the idea of a marriage is a man and a woman? Do you, do, have you noticed that yet? All right, because again, I'm just kind of bringing these things up because we want, man, I want the Bible to tell me these things. And we're going, we are being told there's this, this assumption that Paul's saying is Christian marriage is a man and a woman. Right? I mean, that's, that's what he's talking about here, okay? Is do we have, are we having these conversations or are we, allow, are we allowing the world to guide us? All right. Sometimes it's really easy as, as a Christian church to go, okay, what, what is the world allowing us to do? Now let's go follow that. All right. Instead of going, hold on a minute. We're, we're being called to be distinctive, not just for the sake of distinction, but for this idea of we're following our king. All right. So, so when there's widows, these are conversations that we have. All right. When there's marital issues, these are situations we go back. Can I handle the word of God in this way? Like, and I can go back and we can talk about what's going on in your marriage. Like what's happening. Let's walk through this. 
not just to have a better marriage, but that we can follow Jesus, that me and you can be ambassadors to Jesus. Okay. Paul isn't trying to raise up good church members. He's equipping disciples for ministry. I think that's it. You're going, man, this chapter, Keith, you know, thinking, golly, where's the, this is craziness. Here's what I would say is, is continue, don't give up on this chapter. Okay. There's a lot in here. There's a lot of implication under here. There's a whole lot. It's not giving us this overview of every marriage situation. I know it'd be great going, hey, if you ever have a problem with your marriage, 1 Corinthians 7 gives you all the answers. It doesn't. All right. But it does get down to the heart of devotion and it does get down to the heart of following Jesus. And it does get down to the heart and it answers these specific questions. And I I wonder if there's a side of it. We should commend the Corinthians a little bit, you know, because they're figuring something out. Hey, being a disciple is not like being a Corinthian. All right. And I wonder if that's a place me and you need to be. Being a Christian is a lot different than being American. Okay, and that's a tough that's a tough one to swallow. Because all of a sudden you become like, you don't even like America. You hate America. You don't even, you know, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying being an American is different than being a disciple. It's it's, it's totally different. Okay. What, what, trying to live when what makes America happy is going to be totally different in pleasing Jesus. Right. Right? And so that may be a starting point. That may be a place for us to mimic the Corinthians of going, hold on a minute. Maybe we need more help than we think we do. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're being too much like our culture instead of like getting help to become distinctive, okay? You know where we're going next week. No secret, going right into chapter eight. Uh, Another great one, right? We're we're talking about food offered to idols. Here's the cool thing about this, okay? You're going, oh my goodness, Keith, this is the worst chapters. No, 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 no. You're going to find some things in here that you may have found yourself using Bible. You may have found yourself quoting things and going, oh gosh, that's not what he meant. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing, okay? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.